Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. What? I mean, it's fucking so pathetic. It's just, this is just like sandbox shit. This is like when I see my fucking my kid argue with his friend over who gets to fucking play with a lightsaber. Seriously, this is the fucking sandbox. Well, he's wounded. Huh? He's wounded. Yeah, but you know, it's up to him to mend himself, and we're giving him every opportunity. He fucking left the band! He fucking left the band! Which part of that is... Hello? You know what I mean? He fucking left the band! I mean, period! Exclamation point! Left out of the equation. The fuck did we turn into the bad guys? I don't understand that part. Fucking left the fucking band! Welcome to Melp Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. <laughs> Sorry, I love that intro, Clint. That was a good intro. This is episode 157. We're uh, going to the Year in the Life of Metallica series once again. And uh, we're doing uh, 2001. Which, you know, Jason quit the band in January 2001. Yes, so I we thought just that heard. I thought that was appropriate. The, the famous Some Kind of Monster, he quit the fucking band scene. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, period we're, exclamation point. And he's doing the halftime thing in the. He's yeah. like saying to like time out. Yeah, time out. <laughs> it's it's we're not really totally poking fun of it. It's kind of a sad scene because he's he's obviously quite upset. Of course, it. yeah. And Lars was completely fried coming off of two thousand with the whole Napster right. thing. He took so much heat. The band quitting, you know. Uh, so we're gonna burn all that down. I love this series because I do feel like once. It's all said and done, which I guess we have about 15 more episodes of the year in the life right. to do. I mean, we will have covered every year of Metallica's year. existence <laughs> and uh, in pretty pretty excruciating detail. Yeah, so. maybe we can release uh, an, an audio book of that one day. And Oh, it's one of my dreams to aspire to do that. Just a, a, comp- it's a, it's a best of the years. That would be a long-ass audio book. Yeah, it would be. Well, At least three hours. Yeah. Minimum. Right. Uh, well, so if you don't know who we are, maybe it's your first time joining us. We are an all Metallica podcast. My homie Ethan and I are two t- touring professional musicians based in Nashville. We're here in town at HQ2 today, yep, we bright are. and early. I know, bright and early. You got some stuff to do today, so we called an early one, and here we are. This is why our voices sound pretty a metal more. of us to get up early. It's super metal. I went to bed early last night after I did all the research yeah. and had a coffee Same. and took my kid to school. And, you know, it's pretty metal over here. I went to give uh, gifts to my friend's four-year-old who just turned four yesterday. That's, That's how nice. metal I was yesterday. Right. Uh, and then I drank a White Claw. Let me guess that you gave her um, a porcupine wrist cuff a la uh, Carrie King. King. Uh, that and a, and a Zach Wilde uh, wallet chain. Okay. Uh, like the, you know, it's like industrial strength chain. Does that come with, with or without a bullet belt? Uh, her dad got her the bullet belt, okay, so we're good. good. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about 2001. There's some. It's funny, like on the more. I mean, obviously this was a big year because Jason quit and James went to rehab. But you would think that in light of those big, heavy circumstances, that they weren't doing much because of that. But I always get surprised because even yeah. in, even in the more inactive years, they still managed to fucking do a lot. Yeah, there's always something going on, and whether it's 
you know, charity events or appearances on game shows like we're going to talk about, uh, even if there's no touring, they're still, a, they're still active in some way. Yeah. There's yeah. never a, a complete silent year of Metallica. And we get all the Presidio stuff. I mean, there's some interesting stuff going on. And as mm-hmm. we, just to give everyone a quick update, as we move into this era of the band, this is going to be where we revisit St. Anger as a listen-through. Mm-hmm. We're going to revisit some kind of monster. Uh, we're going to do a whole episode on the Presidio sessions, all the leftover songs, like the, the Temptation song that yeah. Torben said to delete that. Delete that. Uh, so we're, 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 we're camping out in probably our least favorite era but but I would say most interesting. But it's it, one it, of them, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's such a crazy transition time for the band with Jason leaving them, making what would become their least favorite record, uh, most of their fans' least favorite record, um, and entering this new era of Trujillo being in the band as well. So we're going to deal with all that. It's going to be fun. We're going to knock some of this housekeeping out first. First of all, if you like the show and you haven't, please go leave an iTunes review. Uh, it goes a long way. How many times can we say it? I mean, this is episode 157, so we've said this at least 157 times. At least, yeah. So go leave the iTunes review. It's real easy. You know you should do it. it just go do it. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. Hey, help some brothers out, please. Now, if you really dig this show, we have a thing called Patreon. You're going to hear a commercial for it later. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash metal up your podcast. And I've restructured everything over there. Yeah. So it's worth going and checking out. And we've added stuff. It's We've made it very clean and easy. Um, what used to happen, even, is if you signed up at a level that, let's say, got you the cover Our World Black and EPs, mm-hmm. it unlocks all the posts that you get at that tier, and you'd have to basically go find the links yeah, for that. Yeah, it's a little frustrating. Now, as soon as you sign up at whatever tier, whatever you get with that tier is immediately emailed to you. That's awesome. So if you sign up at the $10 tier, you immediately get all volumes of Cover Hour Black. And so you get four, four EPs. How many have we done now? 400 EPs. You get 4,000 EPs. You get bonus Ethan Luck content. You mm-hmm. get all the Lunar Satan stuff. And a new thing that I've added is now everybody, even if you sign up at the $1 level, you get a sample, a 13-song sampler of the best of my co-writes from last year. Pretty awesome. The ones that aren't like tied up on holds and production shit. Right. The ones that are available for me to give away. Sure, yeah. Because you know, I share these songs with people. I think this is a good idea because it, it, it as people know, you know, you, you're you're constantly writing, you know, in kind of in the country world, maybe the pop world a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe both. But um, I think it gives you know a lot of our listeners who join us on Patreon a little bit of a glimpse outside of this, outside of what we normally do every week. Oh yeah. Um, and to kind of hear the the fruits of your labor. Well, I mean, and they're not just little iPhone voice memos either. They're fully produced demos yes. that sometimes end up on TV shows or, or end up on records or whatever. I mean, they're so anyway. Uh, so everyone gets that sampler at whatever different tiers you can get. Uh, I think it's starting at the ten dollars tier. Every month you'll get every song I wrote that month. Awesome. So I already sent out the January ones. It's eleven songs. That's awesome. Fully produced. Um, and if you sign up at a tier above that, I think you get every song I wrote last year that's available, which was came out to 48 songs. Wow. And th- that's about half of what I wrote. Yeah. But those are the ones that are, that are available. So anyway, there's some cool stuff over at the Patreon. At the very least, you're supporting the show that you like. Plus, you get all the cover of World Black and stuff. You get Lunar Satan. Mm-hmm. There's just all sorts of cool shit right. over there. Uh, we got a bunch of new patrons this week. I'll read a few of these, and you can read the rest. Shane Ferguson, Matt and Owen Bastow, Chase Thompson, Hele Marie Berg increased her pledge. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Elizabeth Gleeton. Uh, Nevelle uh, Rest- Rostomji. Yep. Nailed it. Uh, and James Williamson. All right. All right. We're just going to give it up. To the yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, at the very least, you get a shout out, too. Did you ever watch, totally off subject, did you ever watch on SNL when Will Ferrell would do, would do Jeopardy? And it was always like, um, 
you know, the characters would be like Burt Reynolds and oh yeah, and Sean Connery. But I don't know why, but it's, you mentioned Shane Ferguson as a new uh, patron. Turd Ferguson. I always think of Turd Ferguson yeah. when I see that last name because <laughs> I saw that show up in our email the other day, and I immediately thought Turd Ferguson. Well, I apologize to our new patron Shane <laughs> for the horrible. I'm turd sure you, I'm sure Shane's seen that. <laughs> He has to. I'm sure he thinks it's funny. Well, we appreciate it, guys. The socials, we're on all the socials. Go do it. I've been doing this Instagram live thing, the all request, no request hour. All request, no I, request. I, well, because I can't play. Dude, play, play play this Sabbath song. Don't know it. We need to carve out some time where we can do that together. Yeah, it'd that'd be, be fun. fun. Yeah, that'd be a really neat shirt to have. Be a really fun shirt to have. Uh, MetalUpYourPodcast.com, where you can find all the other podcasts that Ethan and I have been guests on, our YouTube videos, merch, blah, 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 blah. Cover our world black end. You can get on our band camp. You just, just put metal up your podcast in the old search mobile. It ain't hard. It ain't hard. You can do it, and you can find all that stuff. Uh, now, uh, Matthew Urbelli, I don't know if you saw this. He made us a new logo. Did you see this? It's it's basically our OG logo, but he made it like the glitch logo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you see yeah, that? It looks awesome. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it looks great. I think we might put that on a T-shirt. Uh, you had a, a listener donated Death Magnetic to you. Yeah, Brandon, one of our listeners, uh, out of the blue, sent me an email saying, hey, on a certain episode, you mentioned not having Death Magnetic on vinyl. And uh, yeah, he offered to send it to me, offered to pay for shipping. He said no. It, it, out of the kindness of his heart, he sent me Death Magnetic. And the other night, I listened to it. And I got to say, that's the best sounding version of Death Magnetic. Oh, really? Because you know, we we've talked about the audio issues with that and, and the mastering issues. And there's like digital clipping and stuff. I'm taken a while guessing that it was remastered for vinyl, which oftentimes there is a different mastering mm-hmm. process for vinyl. I had that thing cranked yesterday morning, listened to the whole thing, and I didn't hear one digital clip the whole time. Dude, it was cranked? I had it fucking cranked, bro. Let me ask you this. Were oh, you on crank? I was when, on crank it was while cranked. it was cranked. Yeah. Um, we cranked Fixing out. the crank on my bike. Right. Right. And you were cranky. <laughs> Trying to think of other cranks. <laughs> and, I, and then I watched Christmas with the cranks. Right. But that's with a K, though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I'm going to read his handle from Instagram at DH Fitness Training. Sent us, I don't know, maybe 25 copies of, or 25 So What magazines. Yeah. So these are all, for, not the Death Magnetic. Obviously, you're going to enjoy that and you deserve it. And I'm, I'm glad that it doesn't <laughs> clippity clip, clip, clap. It's, it's great. But these So What issues are going to be given away. We've had this idea for a while now, and I really want us to do it where what, we were going to call it a mystery box. Yeah, mystery box. Where we, because I, my garage is filled with so many amazing little Metallica tidbits, and like we would do things where we would give away like five things a month sometimes right. for patrons, and we give away bigger shit too, like the box sets and tickets and stuff. But I do want to do these mystery boxes where we can just throw three or four things. We've mm-hmm. got old set lists, we've got bootlegs, we've got shirts, stickers, posters. We got any Prince of Keems left? Uh, any what? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Prince of Keems. Yeah, we've got Funko Pop. Yeah. Dor- we've got Doris's and Akeems. Dude, I was writing last week, and I had a couple guys in here, and they were like, what is that thing? My Prince Akeem. Yeah. Which, by the way, my Prince Akeem is up there with the McFarlane uh, (laughs) Justice-era Metallica toys, which, by the way, were released in 2001. Yes, they were. Uh, But I've got Akeem up there, and he's in his McDowell's uniform. Yeah. (laughs) So he's kind of... Basically, what they've done is they've melted everyone's faces, and he's mopping the face residue. Yeah, that's what he does. He cleans up after a good face melting. But b- back in uh, Zamunda, he was a goat herder. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, so we wanted to say thanks to the people who donate stuff. If you have some Metallica stuff you want to donate to the show, just get in touch with us. We'll give you a, a an HQ address to send it to. 
we obviously are very grateful for any, yeah, and all that stuff. And most of it really just goes back into the show because we end up giving it away to people as yeah, gifts. Yes, exactly. Now, last thing I want to mention is a, a longtime friend and patron of the show, Chad Pollock, unfortunately had a death in his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son died in a tragic car accident. Yeah. And uh, he reached out to us to uh, let us know the news. And I've hung out with Chad on tour. Uh, Chad's a good he, guy. He came to a Bob Schneider gig. And and uh, he's a great dude. He's been on a few Metal Tales. Mm-hmm. And he's been supporting the show for a long time. Yeah. And so uh, I, of course, responded to his email privately. But I did want to say uh, that I'm sorry to hear about that. And we grieve with Chad. And Yeah, and, man. Uh, Hearts go out to you for sure. It, it's a horrible, horrible, unimaginable thing. So, uh, But the Patreon community and the, the Metal Up Your Podcast family, like, we take that seriously, and mm-hmm. we take these relationships seriously. So we just wanted to send out some good vibes for that. I, I can't imagine what you guys are going through. And yeah, yeah, man. I mean, all the love and peace to you and your family. And uh, you know, hopefully, this is a, a, a time where everyone's coming together and being there for each other. I yeah. mean, that's a terrible loss. And uh, again, yeah, our, our hearts go out to you, man. So we'll segue out of that into the emails. We have an email. Did you know that we had an email address? Wait a second. Yeah. You is can this a ele- new thing? You can electronically... Ma- you don't have to write anything down. Should we read them on the show? Well, I mean, I thought maybe we could. Yeah, that's a good idea. So if you write into us at metalupyourpodcastshow at gmail.com, we will probably read it on the show. We get we get a shitload a week, but we mm-hmm. read, we try to make time to read five, because we like hearing from the fam, and uh, it sparks all sorts of interesting conversations about Metallica. So we're going to do that now in what we affectionately refer to as the email portal. Our first email is from Lou Delia. He says, hey guys, just wanted to say a quick thank you for everything you do. I know it's hard to stay in the, in the business and support a family, especially in the digital age of streaming music. I wish I could give you guys more than just $5 a month I'm at now. Uh, all the effort you guys put into the show does not go unnoticed by me, and I know a ton of other listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Metal up, Lou from Parsippany, New Jersey, New Jersey. That's awesome, Thanks, Lou. Lou. Thank you, man. It really does take a lot to keep the, keep the boat afloat. Mm-hmm. And so we appreciate... Um, your appreciation and i appreciate that we appreciate his appreciation and i appreciate that you're naked right now i'm glad we're not live streaming this one <laughs> ryan gaylor writes ethan and clint can't thank you enough for replaying the ray burton interview i heard it when it premiered but it's taken on new meaning in the wake of his death as a father of two beautiful sons i can't imagine what it would be like to lose them but here's ray burton who has all the ammunition to be angry at the band at the world yet he looks at all this as the natural pattern of life Listening to him talk about Cliff is both amusing and heartbreaking, especially when he talks about those bits that biographies and TV shows never seemed to touch. That is true about our Ray interview. I, I do feel like we waded into some parts of the conversation where I was learning things about Cliff that I'd never read yeah, before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, he, he was very, very open about all that stuff, too, which, I mean, I guess was surprising, but, I mean, he's always seemed that way in talking about Cliff, but, it, like you said, it was in, more in-depth than we expected. He says, Ray's so positive and sincere, I just can't help not to smile every time he winds up into another story about his son, our hero, Mr. Cliff Burton. He also provides a wonderful insight into the early days of the band and how Cliff was so instrumental in Metallica's infancy, all the way up to their maturity as artists. Just a great interview, fellas. Thanks, dude. He says, my grandmother passed away on New Year's Eve. Her husband, my grandfather, died two years before her. Both died of heart failure brought on by pneumonia, just like Ray. Really brought back a lot of those emotions when I heard that he'd passed. He says, not to bum out the email corner, but I felt like I should share tonight. It's been a rough few years, and as always, Metallica's been a constant companion. I just wanted to let you guys know how much I appreciate all that you do. 
Next time you're in Austin or San Antonio, let me know. I'll be more than happy to front a few beers. Thanks for all you do, Ryan. Well, thank you, Ryan. And uh, it's also it's called the email portal now. We have changed it to the email portal. It, there was a weird transition phase where I would say corner and you would say portal. Yes. <laughs> a little crossover there. Right. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're strictly in the port- it probably, portal phase. I, I had decided early on in that confusion that it would be the portal. But here's my issue, my problem. I never really told you that. It just, so. well, it, I mean, it's just, again, it's the pattern of life. I mean, these things happen, and I eventually adapted. And it's, it's the circle the, of life. It fucking moves us all. <laughs> uh, I still haven't seen Rocket Man. I haven't either. I need to see it. I don't see a lot of movies in the theater. Yeah, but I think you can rent it now. Most movies don't stay in the theater. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll go to Blockbuster. You, you know, block most, people, most people don't go to the movies anymore. Move, the big picture is dying. Yeah. The movies are almost immediately going to VOD, even while they're in the theater. Yeah. So it's pretty quit quick. making that excuse when I ask you if you've seen a movie. Oh my god, it's Clint. available for VOD, bro. Oh my god, it's VOD for real. OMG. Um, All right, I'm actually going to be in Austin uh, for South by Southwest, but not the music part. For the podcast part, me and Bob Schneider oh, are cool. doing. You know, they basically have a South by Southwest week for podcasts now. That's crazy. There's a whole like uh, I think there's a whole like tech one. Like yeah, like, it's uh, like an interactive media one. Yeah, it's a whole deal down there. So we're doing like a live podcast in front. Of, it's almost like getting cool. a, getting a South by Southwest slot for your band, but with a podcast. But with a fucking podcast, <laughs> I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Uh, but anyway, that's going to be March 18th. That's so awesome. Whatever the week is, and then we're kind of making the trip out of it because we we're friendly with Bob's family. So right, yeah. I'll be there then. Uh, but thanks for the email, Ryan. Awesome. Next email is from John Joseph, Joseph C. He says, hey, guys. Just Jingleheimer find- Schmidt? Jingleheimer Schmidt? What? Uh, hey, guys. Just that find- name's my name, too. <laughs> hey, guys. Just found your podcast this week, and I've been listening constantly. Amazing work, really. Uh, I'm sure you get topic ideas from your listeners constantly, but something that I've been, uh, it's been in the back of my head for a long time is what would the band have done artistically had the Black Album, for whatever reason, had actually dropped uh, in records... Dropped in record sales compared to Justice. Uh, another in the long lines of what ifs, but I've always found that interesting. Keep up the great work, John. Uh, yeah, so if it didn't do as well as Justice did. Um, I don't know. I mean... Well, I guess one avenue of thought would be that they would change course of what led them through the Bob Rock era into Load and Reload. You know, maybe they would go back to their roots sooner. Uh, either that or, I mean, I guess you could use the example of the you know, the sales for load being way lower than the black album. And mm-hmm. it didn't really stop them from kind of pursuing this. But it's almost like the black album, the success of the black album protected that. Yeah, maybe so. So without that, you know, I mean, because James has said like the black album gave them the freedom yeah, to be more experimental. Like, but I don't know. I mean, it does seem like after St. Anger, it's so hard to weigh all that because St. Anger critic. Not critically, but um, sales-wise, was a big success. It was number one in like 50 countries mm-hmm. and won a Grammy. Yeah. They went on a stadium tour. Artistically, I think they would probably say it was a success too, but uh, aesthetically, that was not yeah, great. And right. it seems to be a forgotten record now. They don't, they don't ever play anything from it. And then they did sort of move away. It's, you know, that That's the most singular record in their whole catalog, is mm-hmm. St. Anger. Yeah. It's nothing else sounds like it. They didn't camp out in that sound. Yeah. They made a new metal record and then they split. Then, yeah. they, then they went back to sort of more progressive, right. thrashy metal with Death Magnetic. And hardware, yeah. Yeah, I guess they did. I mean, they did start playing two cuts from that record on the stadium run last year, end of last year. Yeah. They, but they, that's it. I mean, they haven't played those songs since the record came out. Yeah. I mean, 
It's been a while. It's similar to Death Magnetic. They only played Day That Never, Never Comes. And then they, they played The Unforgiven 3 a little bit. Which is such a bummer because, I mean, like I said, after listening to that on vinyl uh, yesterday, there's so many good songs on that record. And someone I'm, asks about that. I don't know if it's in this email portal, but someone did ask us about their, their lack of playing those tunes. Oh, it's in the next email. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, so the so one avenue of thought would be that they maybe maybe they would see the black album as an experiment that didn't work, and then they would go back to what works. Right. Which I guess was their more early big the, the first four records. Mm-hmm. Or well, they would have been like, well, we're artists, and we don't really judge what we do artistically by com- commercial success. We're going to just keep doing what we do. Right. Which yeah, that kind of seems like maybe what they would have done. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they would have jumped back into the, into just doing a thrash record so quickly. They would have said, "Okay, we tried that, didn't work. Let's try something else now." Yeah, I don't know. We'll never know. I guess it's lost to time. Let's ask Lars what I'm going to call him. Okay. Bleep, cool. bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> Bing bling. Uh, well, thanks, John Joseph C. for the email. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, John Joseph Jingleheimer Schmidt. Thank you for that the... name. Is Ethan's name too? <laughs> Neil Lumsden says, hey guys, short-time listener, first-time emailer, discovered your podcast about a year ago after listening to the first 40 episodes in two weeks. Uh, I would say I'm hooked. To say I'm hooked is an understatement. I love the chemistry between you both, Mm. the chemicals between us. Remember, you know who sings that? Oh, what is that from? Chemicals between us. It's Bush. Oh, Bush. I was thinking like Incubus or something. I'm surprised you didn't know the Bush song. I was never, I think 16 Stones, a cool record. Oh, yeah. But I never really... Razorblade Suitcase, their, fa- their sophomore effort is also very good. Yeah, there was a couple of cool tracks on that. I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't keep up with them too much. I yeah. think anytime in any city you turn on rock radio, you're going to hear Glycerine. Or, well, you're, here's what you're going to hear all the time. You're going to hear Machine Head, Machine Head, Come Down, Little Things, Glycerine, yeah. and Everything's In. Those were massive songs. Great, great songs, yeah. And then from Razorblade Suitcase, Suitcase, you have Swallowed, Greedy Fly, Swallowed Cold Contagious. Cool. They had a lot of good songs, yeah. man. Yeah, good man. I got to see him live in Australia at a festival. They were great. In Australia? Australia. Do my wife watches this? Uh, it's basically like um, the Biggest Loser, like a weight loss yeah. show. She watches an Australian version of it. Oh wow, it's really bad, really rough. <laughs> but I was sort of just rummaging through the house, and I was trying to make my kid laugh, and I was saying Australia, Australia, and my kid was like. She just doesn't know. She was like, why are you saying that weird? Yeah. And I was like, oh, they say it like that. The, the way their accent and is. And my kid was like, why? But that's not how you say it. Why do they do that? It, there is certain parts of Australia Hello. where the accent is like that. It's so funny. I, I remember going down there with my old band, and we had a, 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 a assistant from a management company that was with us. Her name was Linda, and they kept saying Linder. <laughs> I, I, g'day, Linder. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Why are you saying it? It's just it a weird, weird uh, it's a weird little... Something that happens on on A's at the end of words. I wonder what our our versions of that are, where we're saying words incorrectly. Are we doing that? It's called living in the South. <laughs> but I don't know. But saying "ain't" is different. I think than... it's. I think it's just the way their accent. It's. I don't think. I don't think Australians are trying to say an R at the end of it. I think it's the way it just comes off the tongue or something. Tom Quia heard him call David Bowie David Bowie. David Bowie. David Bowie. David Bowie. But that's kind of Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good God, where are we at in this email? Um, this is a grammar podcast. He says, I'm really annoyed I didn't start listening earlier. It's extremely frustrating listening and knowing there's no point writing in to mention things that have come and gone. And I thank you for that, by the way. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I know, because so, nothing's more annoying than getting those emails. So you may not even hear this for a while. Uh, I know some of your running jokes will probably now be so old you've all forgotten them. Is the pick contest still going? That, and then he lets me know that that was a joke. 
And it's not, by the way. He says, I left you a positive review anyway. Thank you, Neil Thank Lumsden. You. Thank, Thank you, Thank you so much. He says, my own journey with Metallica band in, began in 1990 when I saw the video for one on Raw Power, a late-night rock metal program in the UK. UK. Oy. The Black Album was the first new album for me, and I remember being on a scout camp huddling around a little radio to hear the premiere of Sandman on Radio 1. Radio 1. I love the British's, like... It's BBC One, Two, Three, and Four. Yeah, it's Radio One. Yeah, they don't fuck around with. I've like, been to the Radio One festival. Like, it's, it's, they just don't fuck around with that. No, it's making like this clean and easy. Nigel, what do we call it? Uh, uh, which we got, one? Which we, one is it? We got BBC One and Two already. So what we do? I got it. BBC Three. Brilliant. He's brilliant. Get this missing grape upon. Everything's brilliant. He says, I've seen the band four times. First time was the Black Album tour in Glasgow in 1992. I then saw them headline Monsters of Rock, Donington. In 95, on the Escape from the Studio mini tour, supported by Slayer and Machine Head. What an amazing tour. That's when they were playing some of those club shows, too, in London, when they were taking a break from recording Load. Mm-hmm. They went over there basically to do Donington, and while they right. were there, they did some club shows and yeah, press. Yeah, which is awesome. The following year, I caught them on their Poor Touring Me tour at Glasgow Barrowlands, which, is, which has a cap of about 2,000. It was amazing seeing them in such a relatively small venue. This is where, as Clint says, I went offline. I bought Until It Sleeps and Hero of the Day on their release, but wasn't excited by them. At the same time, though, my tastes were gradually moving towards house music, and I was a DJ for around 12 years. I kept in touch with the band, but didn't really listen too much. Then as my tastes were gradually shifting again, Death Magnetic came out, and I fell in love with the band all over again. Moved down to Manchester from Scotland around this time, and didn't see the lads again until the Hardwire Tour in late 2017 in Manchester. He says, have you covered much about the lack of Death Magnetic songs on recent tours? I love the album, absolutely love it. And it's really disappointing they've almost disowned it. They played The Day That Never Comes when I saw them last, and it was possibly my highlight. I don't even know if they've played it since, but it rarely gets an airing. Anyway, sorry for the long email. Hoping Torben and Dave are still making appearances, and I'll probably catch you up in real time in a few weeks. I've become a patron, by the way. Amazed to see what you do for the listeners. Oh, Cheers. Cool. Neil Lumsden, Manchester, UK, New Jersey. He says, is that joke still going? And yes, it is, my friend. And I also have good news for you. Torben is still around from time to time. Well, I'm still kicking around. That's right. My, my sweaty palms. Hey, by the way, speaking of Megadeth, you saw that they started play, playing their first shows. I did. And they after... guess, guess what song they played? Sweaty Bullets. No. Well, they did play that, but guess what song they played for real? Which one? For their first show? On this new round of shows they're doing. They... Oh, Dawn Patrol. They played, they ended their lives as moles and played the Dawn Patrol. I love it. <laughs> they played Dawn Patrol live. I think they knew you were you, you were a new fan of that Yeah, this one goes out to some dipshit who has a Metallica podcast. He doesn't like this song, but my friend Dave Ellison over here is going to hold it down with a bitchin' peace line. <laughs> <laughs> I love they played Dawn Patrol. <laughs> We end our lives, Ethan. As moles. As moles. <laughs> they uh, played Dawn Patrol I live. Love it. I love it. What are some of the lyrics? Can you remember some of the lyrics? Uh, was it the one like, how, how can... There's something I barely laugh as I read my as epitaph. As I read my epitaph. He, he, does, he does like a lower like, as I read my epitaph. But he doesn't he does even this. really do the Dave Mustaine. He's doing like a British... As oh. I read my epitaph. <laughs> That's epitaph. it. That's it. That was it. It's kind of crossed me in that. There's like one, There's one moment in the summer he goes, and he was like, it's like a little glimpse. <laughs> of, it's like it's like a body that's possessed, and you see the real person kind of right. come, come to the front for a second. Yeah, totally. <laughs> let me let me out. <laughs> 
I'm dirt and do a mole in here. Let me Help help. We haven't ended our lives with moles. Anyway, so yeah, we're still here. Thanks, Neil. So, all right, so about Death Magnetic, my theory is that the songs are too hard. Like, the... And not that they can't play them. They can. They wrote them. They toured it for three or four years. Right. And they played it great. I, my, some of my favorite live DVDs are from the, the World Magnetic era. Yeah. Nimes, Quebec Magnetic. Nimes Mex- is great. Mexico yeah. City, et cetera. But think about it. Like, for them to dust off, uh, that was just your life. Yeah. It's just, they've got a record to promote. They got they got their big hits. Yeah. There were no big hits from that, except for maybe The Day That Never, they comes, never comes, which they, is the one they play. Yeah. And that's the one, and you know what? That's I'm cool with that one. You know, I mean, that's like their modern day one or sanitarium or whatever, and I, I, I love it. I would, I mean, shit, I would love to see a lot of other songs. I Judas mean, I would, Kiss, Judas Kiss, All Night Long, My Apocalypse. But these are all songs that they played a lot on those tours. They did Broken Beat and Scarred. Yeah, they did Into the Line. Yeah, uh, that was just your life. They would open with. Um, I mean, I think there's stuff on Death Magnetic that is more complex and harder to dust off than Justice. Um. Yeah, what would like the, right like like songs that are easier to play on Justice would be like Harvester or Sorrow. That would right, be probably yeah. one of the I easier the Beholder, ones. Maybe. Well, they don't ever play that. They don't. But, but um, that'd probably be it though. Blackened, no joke. Dyer's Eve, no joke. Yeah. Well, what do they play from Justice? They play Blackened, one, blackened and one. Uh, Harvester and Harvey. That's it. Right. Yeah. They don't play Shortest Straw. They don't play Dyer's Eve. They don't play Freight Ends. They don't play Eye of the Beholder. They don't play uh, and to, live is, to Live Is to Die. And they don't play the title track. Yeah. So. Uh, that, well, and, and that's probably why they don't play those either. Well, and, <laughs> you know? and you know, and a band that's been around as long as they have with so many massive songs that were either commercial hits or just massive fan favorites. I mean, you gotta you gotta pick and choose. You can't you know you can't be throwing out four songs from Death Magnetic when that's not even the record promoted anymore. And I, I and honestly, no one's more butthurt about ignored records than me because they don't play anything from Load and Reload other than the t- other than the Reload songs. Fuel and Memory Remains. Right. So <clears throat> I totally understand the the problem. But mm-hmm. I'm also not one of these fans that just endlessly bitches about this. And I'm not saying you're doing that, um, homie. I'm not saying you're bitching about it, Neil. But um, well, people on the for- people of any band, dude, no one bitches about set lists more than Dave Matthews people. And I, I lurk <laughs> on Dave Matthews forums a lot because as you and our listeners know, I'm a massive fan. And I'm sure that our friends, our fish fans deal with this too. But, uh, you know, I, I think Metallica does a good job balancing their career. Yeah, totally. I'm interested to see what... These festival set lists look like. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see what the future looks like because Hardwire is now done, except for so they're going back to South America. They're going. I fully believe there's no announcement. But they're going to reschedule Australia. Yeah, I, th- I don't think they're going to. So they're going to take the Hardwired sauce there. But but for all intents and purposes, other than that, Hardwired's over. Yeah, the album cycle is pretty much done. Which I'm good with that. I'm I'm good with. I like, mean, dude, this has been a long run. We're we're past the three year mark of Hardwired. It's Black album. It, it's what they kind of did with World Magnetic too. It's yeah. about three years. Yeah. Because they only do about fifty shows a year, so they take it to the world. Yeah, and, and they, you know, largely successful. I mean, mm-hmm. they haven't rocked the stadium tour like that since uh, "Madly in Anger with the World." Right. So I'm happy for here are the songs I'm kind of happy to see go away for a minute. I'm hardwired can get out of there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see um, more Halo on Fire. They, yeah, they were they doing it for that, a while. I, I they did that a lot. They didn't do it as much in the Alice Rise will probably stay. No, they already they already kind of kicked it though. I mean, a little. Like, now that we're dead's gone, Alice is gone. Here are the songs that are going to stay for sure Moth. Moth for sure, yeah. Uh, Moth and, and maybe Spit. Because Spit kind of became a surprising sort of staple. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, it, it can't be kind of got thrown on that rotating slot, like the thrash one coming back from the encore. Yeah, well, know? and then when they got really hot on it, they were playing it almost every night. Right. They weren't even rotating it. I mean, there was one, um, there was one stint where they were, it was during the summer. 
where they were the European stadium tour where they were either doing Lords of Summer or Spit, mm-hmm. right? For the encore, so Lords of Summer, that's a good one. Yeah, love that song. Super fun. Yeah, it's so fun. I would love to see it. On I shirt. probably never will though. I'd like to see it on a shirt. I'd like to see you wear a shirt that says that would be a neat shirt to have. What do you think about that? I'll wear that. Um, I don't think it's because they don't like the record. You know, I think it's just because to dust it off would be too much. And plus, they're basically going to have a pretty light year this year. They're going to play ten those ten festival gigs, the All Within My Hands gig, South America, and that's probably maybe Australia, be Australia, yeah, Australia. <laughs> All right, we got one more email before we kick it to two thousand one. Metallica. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> last email is from Bobby Anand. He says, hey, brother. Oh, Seddon Hall, Kogan voice, if we're on the show. Well, here it is. Read on the show. Hey, brothers. There we go. <clears throat> Not too hard to do in the morning. Uh, is there, uh, uh, sorry, is there anyone doing a Metal Tales about this uh, Peterson Museum Q&A with Jimmy James Jr. Hetfield Esquire the third? Um, basically, yes, it's it's out. <laughs> you you talked to Edgar. Yeah, so that was last week's episode. I talked to Edgar Baratis about that. And, um, you know, Edgar's the only person who recorded the chat. They didn't do a live stream. No one else seems to have recorded it. Like, even when it got picked up on the pr- the big clickbait that everyone's, like, picking up now is, like, James Hetfield says future of Metallica is uncertain. Oh, my God, yeah. Because the very last question he was asked is, when's the new... Re- are, are you guys working on anything new? And James gives a very Jamesy, like, I don't know what the future holds. And, uh, you know, we, we're in a, you know, we're in a place right now where we're, we're, you know, to be scared of the future is what keeps us alive. He gives yeah. one of those things. Right. Which is true, though. I mean, that's what, the, I mean, that's kind of what they've always done. But it's even like, the vibe of it isn't ominous at all. Like, when you watch it, his vibe is very good. He mm-hmm. seems great. The Everyone was very relieved to see that he looked and seemed awesome. But he cut his hair. <laughs> well, people kind of are glad he cut his hair. In, in a strange, uh, yeah, in a strange polar reversing of what happened in the mid-90s. Yeah. Him growing his hair back out and growing the stash out, and then that being sort of coupled with him going back to rehab, I think people have associated that now. Mm-hmm. And still has the stash because people are saying it like on Reddit and stuff. They're like, "I just I felt like he was drinking again when he grew his hair out." I'm like, "That's one of the dumbest things I've ever yeah, heard." You can't, you can't read too far into that kind of stuff. I think he was just trying to grow his hair out again. I don't think you can read anything into it I mean, let alone go too far but you know i'm glad that uh, you got to talk to edgar about it and i'm and seeing the photos and some of the video clips i did james looks great looks healthy got that hair nice and high and tight looks like tight and right drop some weight he looks good yeah he looks you know he looks healthy yeah which I agree. makes us happy and that's all that's all we wanted out of this whole thing just so ha- yep totally. happy and healthy james having said that so we have done basically a metal tales for that yes uh, the answer is yes uh, living in the arts district downtown Los Angeles and growing up in Orange County, like Ethan, I knew I wanted to live here, uh, as well as as well as all the great venues or walking distance, uh, in addition to the major art ex- exhibitions. Therefore, I thought I would also mention that I have tried to keep track when you guys are performing in the area and, and how I would like to hang. And I recently got uh, got married and lost my band. Uh, so listening to your podcast uh, is the closest thing. Sorry, is, is the closest I can get to bonding with my friends and listening to the music. With open ears and interp- interpreting production tones and just the way the songs make you feel, I'd love to meet up and listen uh, and listen to records, uh, discuss chord changes, production nuances, and just how the albums inspired uh, inspired and made us feel when we heard them the first time. Uh, that's why listening to this uh, excuse me. That's why listening sessions are my favorite segments of the podcast, as you truly feel immersed when you go get to listen along with uh, along with your facts and commentary at the same time versus having to do it separately. Uh, that's why I'm proposing, and this could be uh, either a separate podcast or just for patrons. As I, uh, he says, as I know, you have a lot to accomplish with your agenda. Our agenda. Mm, um, capital A. Yeah. Uh, where was I? Uh, of expanding the uh, Explore the Big Four, Thrash Metal series to include all aspects of metal and how these albums could 
potential influence on Metallica. This paper is sticking together. Uh, anyway, that's Bobby from Los Angeles, New Jersey, of course, where, where I'm from. Um, yeah, that's kind of a... It'll be kind of tough to uh, expand beyond the big four. I mean, we want to keep this as close to the rated Metallica as possible. Yeah, I mean, the answer you know? is there's no time for that. There's, there's, really there's no time for us to explore all the facets of metal and how it might have influenced Metallica. I think the closest right. we can come to that is doing, and Tom Quee wants to do this. I think it would be a good idea to do a show with him about this, of exploring the new wave of British heavy metal mm-hmm. and how those bands, because there's an obvious line of influence. The right. Merciful Fate. And Killing Joke, Priest. Priest, and Maiden, yeah. um, Saxton, Sabbath, and there's just such a clear line where we know that Metallica loves those bands mm-hmm. because they've either mentioned it in the press or they've outright covered their music. Right. So that's probably the closest we'll get to that. Yeah. And, I, you know, like, you know, the podcast just already takes enough time as it is without adding mm-hmm. like a whole thing like that. Yeah, it is. Because t- cause here's what that would involve I don't know those bands. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm not a guy that could write encyclopedia on metal. Metal is just yeah. one small part of what I like about yeah. life and music. We'll leave that to Eddie Trunk. <laughs> and in fact, I would probably bum most purists out or most true metalheads out because my favorite metal band is the biggest metal band in the world, Metallica. Yeah. And that, in that world, that's not cool. It's cool to me. I, I mean, think you're cool. Now, I have anal vomit on cassette. It's true, <laughs> you do. Um, but I like that more conceptually than musically. Right. I mean, I, I think it'd be, it could be a good time if you know there was something specific where we had a, a James talking about a specific record by Priest, let's say. Yeah. And we did a listen through. Totally. You know, uh, just a fun listen through, just to get our reactions. Because I mean, I have one Judas Priest record on vinyl, mm-hmm. Screaming for Vengeance. Yeah. Cool I've, record. I've, all, I've got that in Painkiller. Painkiller's cool. Um, but yeah, that that could be that could be fun. But expanding beyond that is it's just we don't have the time for it. Well, and plus, because because here's what it would need to be to be good. It would need to be dudes who really know it and mm-hmm. who are immersed in that music, right? Um, to really be able to lay out like here's what's important about this. Here's where it fits contextually. Here's how it affects the world of Metallica. Yeah. Um, and I don't have time to do that research. Nor really, honestly, do I have the interest. Right. Uh, Explore the Big Four is different, though, because that feels very much part of the DNA of early Bay, Bay Area thrash, mm-hmm. where Metallica came from, et cetera. So, right, exactly. That's my answer to that. And having said that, but thank you, Bobby, thank for, you for email, Bobby, first yeah. of all, for sending the email and for sharing all your thoughts. He, he wrote a much longer email that I had sort of truncated for the show, and he wrote a lot of thoughts about the Reclaimed Rust exhibit and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of interesting thoughts about Metallica in general. So he seems like a really cool, thoughtful dude. He's a patron. We appreciate awesome. him. Awesome. Thank you. Metal Up Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. We'll probably read it on the show if we can. And uh, we appreciate it. We're going to get out of the housekeeping section now and check it out and kick it to 2001. Let's do it. All right. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free 
downloads of every cover Our World Black and EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SM2 and Slane Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. All right, well, so what I would like to do before we jump into 2001, and we've got a whole bunch of fun shit planned to go through to burn down this year, right. is I want to recap 2000 and what I'm calling at a glance. At a glance. So this is, And so I would refer you, honestly, to our episode on this because we go into much deeper detail. But here's 2000 at a glance to give us a little bit of context before we jump into 2001. So the band won a Grammy for Whiskey in the Jar. They released No Leaf Clover as a single. Metallica and Michael Kamen won the Arthur M. Soshot Award. Prestigious. Prestigious, yes. Lars won a Calif- California Music yeah, Award. Dude. You take the 101 down to Valencia. Hell yeah, man. Got Go some with- tacos over there. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, there was the I Disappear video shoot. I Disappear leaked to radio, which started the entire Napster saga, which lasted the rest of the year. The I Disappear music video released. The Mission Int- Impossible 2 soundtrack was released. Guess what song was on that? I disappear. I disappear. I disappear is performed on the MTV Movie Awards. James throws out his back. I go to my first Metallica show. I have to watch Korn and Kid Rock sing Metallica songs. I am disappointed. <laughs> and This is in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Uh, Lars appeared before the U.S. Senate over the Napster issue. They won a direct online music award. They won a VH1 My Music Award and performed Fade to Black in which was Jason's last show Final with Metallica. That was a fan-voted song. And as you guys remember, he left that situation in a super ominous way. Apparently, right after the performance... He, well, first of all, he showed up separately. He sat away from them. Right after the performance, he split. Yeah. Exclamation point! And so they knew that something was really weird. Kirk hung out with him in the airport. Remember this? They're, yeah. Someone's, Kirk's probably flying back to Hawaii, Jason, maybe to Montana. Their flight got delayed, so they got drunk in the airport bar. And that's where Kirk was like, I just really felt for him because he's in a tough spot with this yeah. whole situation. Yeah. Period. So that kind of leads us to the first notable event of January 17th. If you're all following along in your textbooks at home on page yes. one. Page one. Of chapter 2001. Yep. Uh, Jason Newstead leaves Metallica. He fucking left the Citing private and public reasons and the physical damage I've done to myself over the years while playing the music that I love. I've read that statement so many times yeah, because it's it's obviously really intentionally worded. But it's such a it's a strange statement. Yeah. Hello. Private and public reasons and the physical damage I've done to myself over the years while playing the music that I love. I mean you could just not headbang as much. I'm sure that was a, a, a a lot of what fans were saying back then. It's like, well, if you have physical damage to your body, get yourself sorted out. Don't go as hard on stage, but maybe that's not Jason. You can't not go hard well, on Well, there were people who sort of doubted the credibility of this of the um of one of the excuses being that of physical damage. And he had this mm-hmm. to say, he told Kerrang this. He says, For about twenty years I've been playing heavy maple basses. When you're thrashing around for two and a half hours a night for ten to twelve years, that starts to take its toll. 
I've worn down all the padding between my vertebrae and my neck, so it's just bone on bone. It wasn't possible for me to play without constant pain, and it wouldn't have been smart for me to carry on. So I saw another interview with him where he said his doctor told him in 1990 that he had to quit performing the way he was. Oh, wow. And he's like, then I basically didn't do that. Didn't, yeah. And I did what he told me to stop doing for another 10 years. 1990. That's crazy. Yeah, right. He fucking left the fucking band. Jesus Christ. So... I believe it. You know, I don't think, I, I think for whatever reason, as smart as he was and as had like intense as he was, mm-hmm. he didn't funnel that into like self care in the 90s and probably yeah. the most insane era he was in Metallica. And also when you're, when you're that young too, it's like, you think, yeah, you think you're invincible. You think you're invincible, especially when you're in a band that, you know, in the 90s blew, blew up and became the biggest band in the world. And you're in the middle of that. You're not going to, you know, tell your, you know, listen to your doctor and be like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll quit the band right before the Black Album comes out. Do you know what I mean? He fucking left the band. But it's also not like he was like a big drunk. It's not like he was in, caught up in some weird fire. He was always yeah. super level-headed. It just yeah. surprised me that he wasn't like working with ESP to develop a bass that was lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He fucking left the band. Which part of that is... Hello? And maybe they did. You know, we covered a lot of that Um when we did his the Jason Gear episode, the, right. the bass gear, I think we actually he maybe he did do that. Yeah, but the damage was done, and I I for one believe that that was part of it. I mean, have you ever played while you were in pain or when you were sick? Oh yeah, it's actually pretty many, rough. Many times it's it sucks. Yeah, like I've played when I was sick before, and I've played where I like I fucked up my ankle, mm-hmm. and uh, it actually is hard. And I could see the idea of like accomplishing so much, being rich, the guys in the band, things aren't going well, mm-hmm. you're kind of sideways, and you're in pain. Right. It, I can see him being like, I'm out. The fuck did we turn into the bad guys? I don't understand that part. Yeah, we're, I mean, it just got to a point where it was like, I just I just can't do this anymore. Like, I don't, I know we're the biggest fan in the world, but sorry. Like, I, my body will not let me go on. Now, regarding uh, the more emotional aspect of him leaving, he told Joel McIver this. This is in the book, Injustice for All the Truth about Metallica. He says, I wanted to stay. It was such a big part of me. I always put Metallica first. I wasn't confident I could be the performer people know me as, and I needed to have it that way. Uh, the way James dealt with the Echo Brain thing, I understand why. He was having trouble, and yet he's always been the protector of the integrity of Metallica. That's why Metallica is what it is. Between Lars's perseverance and James's integrity, that's fucking it right there. And I realize now he was protecting the whole thing. But when you squeeze too hard sometimes, you know the deal. That's what happened exactly what he didn't want to happen, exactly what he was fighting for the entire time. And he says him leaving had to happen, it was meant to happen. The opportunity they have now to really go for it, the next era of Metallica, they're in their third decade now and still showing people how it's done. I just think that like, even when he's talking about it, he still always talks about what's great about Metallica. Yeah, he does. he's never come across as like this bitter dude who left the band, who yeah. like talks shit on Metallica ever. He's, if anything, he's always defending them. He was asked how long he was unhappy for, and he's responded with this. And then we're going to listen to Jason talk about this for a little bit. He says, I think I was always cool with it because there was more good than bad, but it came to a point for about four months where I thought, shit, I just can't take it anymore. And I think that I think that four to six month period is that big break in between the summer of 2000 and that VH1 gig mm-hmm. where there was kind of this big radio silence. Yeah, and they weren't really talking. And I think that was when, for whatever reason, he got that distance. It's yeah. weird, man. You know, like sometimes like when you're bound together like on a tour or something, you can't really see how toxic something is, mm-hmm. but then it's almost like you get a little distance and that's when things kind yeah. of fall oh, apart. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. exactly. Now, there's this interview that Jason did with a guy named Scuzzy. 
Good old SCSI. Uh, you can just Google that. It's pretty long. I remember this one, yeah. Um, but I've kind of honed it down to this particular section, so we're going to listen to this together. This cool. is Jason talking about leaving Metallica. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I've never I've, I've never told the story. I'm not sure if I should tell it now, actually. Um, I mean, talk about what you're comfortable about. There was, there, was a, there was a lot leading up to it, you know, through time. No, the Echo Brain thing was another, it was uh, started out as a project with these kids that were very, very promising, just like a million other projects that I've done. Could have been, I mean, you know, I played with the Voivod guys for how many, 11 or 12 years before I even started the Echo Brain project. You know, 14 years before I made any records with Voivod, I was playing with Voivod. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm always jamming with people and doing my thing. Echo Brain was just another project at that particular time. But I wanted to get more serious about it because I felt that it deserved it. The very upside down thing, I don't, I just, I don't think that anybody knows. Um, the management of Metallica was very, very excited about Echo Brain. Like, wanted to take it out for me. What? Right. Okay, wanted me to do Echo Brain also with Metallica. They felt Echo Brain was that good, the singer was that good. And it didn't affect Metallica because it was a totally different kind of thing. And I was in Metallica, that would give it its pedigree already. And so they had told me, you know, pretty convincingly, this is a great record. We've been playing it around the office. That's all I've been hearing. It's fantastic. This kid has a great voice. Let's do something with this. Okay, that's what they told me. And then James heard about it and was not happy. And he was, I think, pretty much out to put the kibosh on the whole thing because it would somehow affect Metallica in his eyes because now the managers were interested in something I was doing that had nothing to do with him. I was writing my own songs and doing my own thing. I'm not sure inside him. I don't know why or what or anything. I'm not going to say anything bad. So I have no idea what he was thinking other than just protecting what he valued, just like he does. That's his thing. He protects his, He protects what he, what he loves. Squeezes it too hard, like he said it himself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Squeeze it too hard. You know, protecting it too much, but... That's, the, that's where I was coming from. The people that I had counted on for 15 years to help me with my career, help Metallica, take care of my money, do all of those things, told me, your new project is fantastic, we'd like to help you with it. James heard about it, manager calls him back a couple days later, sorry, we're not gonna be able to help you with that echo brain thing. Okay, so I'm like, okay, hmm. So I put all this money in it, worked really hard, went up in the mountains, made the record. Fantastic record. A diamond, Kirk Hammett called it. A diamond. Wow. Yeah. I mean, his wife played it in their car, and he'd get sick of it. I remember that. Actually, <laughs> Lars's girlfriend, Lars's next-to-last girlfriend, mm. really liked Echo Brain a lot. Would play it in his car, too, and make him crazy. I know that. <laughs> it just kind of happened. But um, between those two things, I was very confused. You know, I'd been dedicated to Metallica, and everything came first. I mean, every, everything came after. What I'm saying, the band came first, and everything came after Metallica. I sacrificed many, many things. Like, rewards were great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. No, no, of I'm just saying. I made, made, made great sacrifices to be the guy that I wanted to be in that band. First one in, last one out. Play every show like I'm never going to get to play again. All of that type of thing. I really try to do that. So when he did that to me after all those years and all the things we'd been through, and help each other reach our own goals and our collective goals. Um, it hurt. And I was like, man, really, dude, you don't view me as this equal person to you. Like, uh, how much I respect you, you disrespect me that much? That's a really hard thing for me to. Does not compute. Computer yeah. says no. Yeah, totally. Right? Totally. Okay, so just not 
not working. Yeah. And we played the rest of that on the right. Playboy interview episode, I think. Yeah. So, man, it's interesting to see him talk about it that way. Yeah, he seems un- a little uncomfortable, you know. But, um, I mean, a lot of that stuff, I know he says, and I've never told this story before, but, I mean, a lot of that was, I'd say, somewhat public knowledge. I never knew any of that. I don't think it was. This interview is from four years ago. Yeah. And I had never heard that... Uh, I never heard a lot of the stuff in this interview. I don't think it was. Well, I mean, this segment right here, mainly in regards to James having a problem with Echo Brain. Right, and but 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 uh, yeah, we knew that, but we didn't know that it was because basically Q Prime was interested and yeah. wanted to actually roll it out. Right, and that starts to lend a little bit more validity to James being like, "Whoa, what is this?" Because that is the difference. Oh, a side project here. I produced an EP for these mm-hmm. guys here. That's different than your own management saying. Oh, we were gonna roll, we're gonna roll it out. Yeah, you know what it means to roll a record out. That's yeah, totally. no joke. That's not but no benign thing. They're gonna put invest money in it. Yeah, they want to get them on tour. They want to put them on, get a publicity mm-hmm. team. And Hatfield, you know, probably felt threatened by that. He was wrong to, but it, it is. Uh, and then I didn't know that he basically t- he must have given Q Prime an ultimatum because Jason says that he, basically James heard about it, squashed it. Yeah. Then they get a call from Cooper saying, hey, we can't help you with Echo Brain anymore. Yeah. I mean, James probably called management and said, hey, I don't care. I mean, I never knew any of that. And then the stuff he goes on to talk about, which we covered in the Playboy interview episode, where they basically had it out at that classic albums yeah. uh, taping. Because mm-hmm. that was when it all sort of came out. Right. Which would have been at the end of the year of 2000. Yeah. So that was the other thing that happened at the end of the year. The VH1 thing yes. was all fucked up. And then the taping of that classic albums. So you can see the you can see you can you know trace the thread mm-hmm. to a January him quitting in January. Yeah, and you think I think about where James was at that point too. I mean, this is this is less than a year before he would go to rehab, right? Too. So he's getting to the tail end of of being an alcoholic and mm-hmm. getting close to his rock bottom. You know, so right, he was probably kind of a dick at and that that's, point. And that's what Jason means when he talks about how it had to happen. It was yeah. meant to happen. I don't think he's talking about any kind of cosmic thing. What he's saying right. is. Part of him leaving is what was a catalyst for James to get sober. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He fucking left the band because it forced it forced a lot of shit to the to the forefront. Right. And then now that and then what he's when he says that the opportunity they have now to really go for it, the next era of Metallica, he means with James being clean yes. and clear and sober. Yeah. Because the, the he told Joel McIver this in like 2008. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really interesting. Now there's some other stuff I didn't know too. Is like he. For the replacement, he recommended Joey Vera of Armored Saint, who was one of the choices to replace Cliff. Yeah. He, he said that the audition came down to between him and this Joey guy. Crazy. And that Jason got the gig. Yeah. He says, it has to be someone who's seasoned, someone in the circle of the band already, someone who's been through the business already. In this day and age, being a fancy and hungry player doesn't mean shit. You have to be a businessman and a people person, <laughs> which is pretty similar to how things operate here, too. Yeah. For sure, being able to play really doesn't mean as much. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Once you, you know, you and I go into an audition, like the people that are making the decision know that everyone's coming in and can, they can play. They're looking more at like how you interact. <clears throat> the first audition I ever did in Nashville, I may have told the story before. It was with a girl named Jada Dreyer. Okay, she won the basically the country music version of uh, American Idol. Okay. She won that like two years ago. Nashville Star, one of those things. I can't remember what it was called. Country, yeah. <laughs> country Idol, Country Star. Sure. Anyway, the thing that's cool about it though is it's it's based about around songwriters. So she won with an original song. That's cool. Um, anyway. I met her in like 2011 when I first got to town and I yeah. auditioned for her and she would go, we're still buddies to this day. We write all the time. She would go on to tell me that I basically only got the gig because I talked to her mom. <laughs> her mom was just sitting, you know, sometimes some of these auditions are usually held at SIR 
and in these rehearsal rooms and some of the bigger ones have like couches and stuff right yeah and sometimes it would be like hangers on and management and just other people hanging yeah there's a lot of producers sometimes yeah. or other band members and generally you sort of just don't pay them a lot of attention mm-hmm. but i'd gotten there a little early or something and i just started talking i didn't know it was her mom yeah just struck up a conversation with her mom just that's, completely normal that's awesome and then did the my audition and whatever burn it down got the gig and then i was told that it was just i was the only guy the whole day that talked to her mom wow that's cool and that obviously has nothing to do with what i look like or how i play right exactly well which, they, by, they the way, that you... which by the way played great looked great <laughs> duh <laughs> I mean, but that just goes to show, like in, in a situation like that, you know, you're you're a people person. Those those that, right. those qualities are coming out before you even pick up a well, guitar. Well, because it's who do I want to get in on, on a fucking bus with? You yeah. know, who do I want to? Because you're only on stage for an hour. Yeah, that's half the battle of, of most auditions. Is hopefully, is you know the the personality test. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've done auditions where they don't even talk to me. Yeah. And then you walk in, do you think that like, cool? Thanks. And it's a shame because they don't really get to see your vibe, which is really what the more important yeah, thing is. Yeah, that happened when I, I auditioned for uh, like Marin Morris a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, went in there, played two and a half songs, mm-hmm. um, and she was like, "Cool, thanks." I was like, All right, see ya. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that was it. There was no time to like hang. You know, when I've done, I've done that in the past, and there's actually been like, "Hey, we're just chilling, talking, shooting the shit for thirty minutes." Yeah, you know, you get a little glimpse of someone's personality. It's it's that's how it should be, but. Well, I mean, I had I had a thing set up, as you know. I don't. I won't. I won't say who it is. Set yeah, up with a pretty Shakira. <laughs> with a pretty big act. Uh, they ended up getting their old guitar player back, but my basically audition was going to be just hanging out with the other guitar player. Yeah, having coffee. Yeah, because they they already checked me out. They knew at the level that I'm at, the playing just didn't even factor. Yeah, uh, I was told to go to his studio and hang out, and I was like, "Do I need to bring a guitar? Do I need to learn anything?" And the answer was no. No, we're just hanging. We're just hanging and having coffee. Yeah, because again, if you're getting recommended to a, at that, a band at that, leader at that level, it, yeah, it was the playing just made no sense to yeah. just prove to anybody. They know that you'll be able to play. Um, well, it's a bummer you didn't do the halftime show with Shakira. Did you watch that? Yeah. What do you think? That was fun. How I, I'm not offended by it. How do those? Oh, of course not. Yeah, it was entertaining. It was yeah. fine. How do those chicks look like they're 25? Like, how does Shakira look so young? She's like 45. Is she that old? Um, I mean, we, maybe we could do a fact check on that. I mean, I'm not I trying mean, to age shame anybody, but no, 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 not at all. I, I thought they both looked great. I know J Lo's like 50. I mean, she they, those girls looked amazing. I mean, of course, makeup, television, things like that. I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've got some smoothing done. Look up how old Shakira is. I'm, I'm curious. Okay, I, th- I, I, I'm gonna say she's in her 30s. No, no fucking way. There's no fucking way. You were closer. 43. Yeah, she's two years older than me. She looks fantastic. What did I say? 45? 45. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I thought she was still in her thirties. I, she looks, I mean, anyway, we don't have to harp on that, but, um, I thought it was fine. Um, it made sense. The Super Bowl was in Miami. Yeah. Um, I have the, I, I love the Latin music thing. I thought that was great. I, I, I got the next day seeing people post about how offended they were by their skimpy outfits. I'm like, it's a Super Bowl halftime show. They, I didn't even see that people were offended by their outfits. Totally. I mean, what tur- does that mean? Turn it off. What does that even mean? How do you get offended by that? I was offended. My kids are watching. By their outfits. Well, I mean, how long ago when Janet Jackson showed her boob? Yeah. Uh, we're like post Janet Jackson. Well, that was boob. a wardrobe malfunction. Of course it was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, shit. I mean, is it is it any different when Adam Levine last year was shirtless the whole time? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, wh- you know, where's, where's the line? <laughs> well, I'm a, not offended by any of it. Like, it's a double standard. I did. They, they did get a little. Uh, a couple little political hints in there, like they had a Puerto Rican flag up at one point. Right. 
which I dug. I kind of like that stuff. Um, I like politics and music personally. Some mm-hmm. people don't. Yeah. Well, you're a Clash guy. Yeah. Church I mean, Stimber. some of my favorite groups of all time are very political. Rage Against the Machine, The Clash, Public Enemy. Right. You yeah. Know, Me um, too. Same. Blink-182. <laughs> Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Yeah, Millie Vanilli. The <laughs> list goes on. Ace of Bass. The, yeah, list, the, the yeah. list goes on, dude. Of course. Um, okay, well, we can get out of that for a second. Right, I did see right it. I thought, I thought it was fine. I just thought it was fine. I mean, I don't listen to that shit. But I don't my, my wife, My wife, who is Puerto Rican, by the way, uh, she loves Shakira. My kid loves Shakira. Yeah. So it was fun for them. My kid was dancing. They're amazing performers. And you I can't thought as a as a as an entertainment factor, it was great. Yeah, totally. The production was awesome. The choreography was the production great. production was amazing. I mean that, kind of, and that's the thing with the Super Bowl halftime show. People are always like, "Dude, it should be a rock band and stuff like that." Like, cool. I'd love to see Metallica do it or the Foo Fighters do it or somebody. But guess what? Like, that's probably not going to happen. Well, here's soon. this, and, and here's this too, and this is a little more philosophical. But why should it be rock? It, here's what's not happening right now, guys. Rock. Right. If, uh, if Metallica uh, can't get asked to do this Super Bowl halftime show when it was in. Wait for it, San Francisco. Right, they're probably not going to get asked to do it. Well, look, it's just, and I'm not saying that it's not that there's not great music being made. So don't, no one write in about this. Tool won a Grammy, by the way. Yes, I, w- I went and saw Tool again in Nashville. Oh, they just played. I was in Mexico when that happened. It was, Ooh, it, it was buddy, awesome. it, was it was awesome, fucking awesome. Rad. Uh, anyway, so no one, I get it. Okay, R- great rock music is being written and made, and bands are great, but culturally, no one gives a shit. Right. Okay. Uh, no rock bands were at the fucking Grammys except for Aerosmith, who kind of sucked. They weren't great. Did you watch that? I did. Okay. They kind of sucked. It wasn't great. I thought Steven Tyler was fine. He had a couple moments, but Joe Perry. Ooh, pretty rough, he, man. He, dude, he, I mean, there's some health shit going on. He's like shaky. His hands were shaking. Like, But anyway, my point is, this is culturally, it's not happening. Billie Eilish is happening, and that's not rock music. It's, okay, It's cool. Uh, it's still cool music. It's some of my favorite music made in the last year or two. So anyway, you know, the rock band, there's no reason to justify the statement, it should be a rock band. Right. If it's going to be in Atlanta, they're going to have a fucking hip-hop artist. Of course. In Miami, they're going to have a couple of Latin chicks with some big-ass hits under their belts. Yeah. Who are an amazing performers. So whatever the fuck. Who ended up doing it in San Francisco? (sighs) Shit, who did that one? And they've, dude, they've had Paul McCartney and I the Rolling Stones, and they, <laughs> Exodus. Yeah, it was Testament and Exodus. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know they, they've had big shit. I mean, dude, Prince, the did Prince it. one. Yeah, Prince in, in my amazing. opinion, that's been one of the best ones of all time. Amazing, it's great. Tom Petty was great, but even Prince isn't really rock. I mean, there's rock elements, but Prince is pop music. The the most rock they've really ever had is like Tom Petty, Bruce Rolling, Springsteen, Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, but I mean, a lot. If you look at the history of performance, it's mostly pop artists. Michael Jackson did it. Janet Jackson did it. Right. Gaga. You know, totally. So, anyways, anyway. this, is our, this is our NFL podcast. If you're offended, if you're offended by anything, turn it off. Right. I can't believe this is crazy. Okay, turn it off. If it's the news, turn it off. If it's a fucking television show, turn it off. If it's this podcast, turn it off. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to shit that offends me. I don't yeah. do it. No, of course not. Okay, moving on. On February 11th, Lars Ulrich of band Metallica. Is the celebrity guest on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Rockstar Edition raising $32,000 for the San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic after incorrectly answering the $125,000 question. Now, Who wants to be a millionaire? I probably watched this when it came live, but I don't remember it at all. I've watched it in recent months, but I, I don't recall. How did you just watch it in recent months? I, I think it came up as a suggested video on YouTube. Sometimes whenever, if there was ever like researching things about Metallica, like 
random crap like that starts popping up. And I was like, oh, wow, that's funny. I haven't seen that in a while. Well, it's probably good that you got a little palate cleanser because we are about to play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Ooh. Okay, let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, please. So, you know the deal. I have all the questions here. I have all the answers. You have one lifeline in which you can call Paul Moak, and we will do it on the show if you need to. That is the only lifeline that I'm allowed to do. Now, the first round is the fastest finger question. Put these U.S. states in geographical order starting in the West. You have Ohio, Delaware, Washington, and Oklahoma. Washington, Oklahoma, Ohio, Delaware. You are correct. Very good. Thank you. You probably watched this last night. I did not. Okay. Their first question, which is the $100 question, is this. Members of societies that forage for food are often known as hunters and what? A, gatherers. B, riders. C, fishermen. D, singer-songwriters. As much as I want to say D, it's going to be A. Correct. I've made 100 bucks so far. Our next question, the $200 question. For $200, I'm Regis Philbin. Thank you, Regis. A person that disappears completely is said to vanish into what? A, thick fog. B, thin air. C, heavy rain. D, his own private Idaho. <laughs> B, B-52's reference? Uh, the answer is thin air, Regis. You are correct. Hey, you're doing quite good here, kid. Um, 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 thanks, Regis. So let me ask you a quick question here, Lars. Uh, how is everything going in your band? How, whatever's going on with your bass player? He fucking left the band! Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Our he next... fucking left the band! Which part of that is... Hello? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He fucking left the band! Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Lars. Our next question for $500 is... Which of these exercises is performed laying on your back? Okay, laying okay. on your back. Lay, laying on your back. Right. A, pull-ups. B, push-ups. C, sit-ups. D, squats. It's going to be C, sit-ups. You are correct. Now, we will be right back here for a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Even if it takes all goddamn night 
What'd you eat last night? So coming out alright. Don't let last night's eggplant end up in your favorite pan. Way you crap, way you crap. We need a toilet that way you crap. Way you crap, way you crap. We need a toilet that weighs your crap. We need a toilet that weighs your crap. We need a toilet that weighs your crap. Weigh your crap. All right, we're back, and things are things are heating up here. Feeling good, Regis. You're doing really well, yeah. Lars. They're not terribly hard questions, I will admit. However, <laughs> they're going to get harder. All right. Just like life. This whole game is a metaphor for life. Oh. The $1,000 question in the phrase photo op. What does op stand for? A, operation. B, opposite. C, optimistic. D, opportunity. Uh, the answer is D, opportunity. You are correct. I used to have this joke on tour, by the way. Yeah. Uh, whenever your fans are waiting by the bus wanting to say hi, take pictures with you. Hey, uh, guys, can I get a, a photo with everyone in the band? I call the other guys over and be like, guys, a photographic opportunity is about to happen. Come here. That's the joke, huh? It's the joke. It's not abbreviating things. Wow. We've been abbreviating lately through over text. Yeah, I like to put the abbreviate on, on things. Not abbreviating, also really elongating the things, over exaggerating. Like it especially works well with with music gear. It'd be hard to put it in the joke category, but I maybe put that in like a humorous, humorous anecdote. Yeah, a humorous little thing to do. Yeah, I do those. All right, you ready for your next question? I am. This is the two thousand dollar question. What type of fish is smoked to make locks? A tuna. B, salmon, C, bass, D, swordfish. Smoke to make locks. Yes. Like a, like a locks bagel that you get in New England. Oh. We have A, tuna, B, salmon. If I get one wrong, am I just done? Is it just... Well, in the interest of uh, the show, no. Okay, good. Uh, but I'm going to say salmon. Salmon is correct. Look at you with the big guess. Look at the big brain on Ethan. For the next question, Mr. Lars Ulrich. Um. <laughs> For the $4,000 question, what classic rock group's 1989 concert series was called the Steel Wheels Tour? A, The Who, B, Aerosmith, C, The Rolling Stones, D, The Eagles. Uh, the answer is C, The Rolling Stones. Correct. Feeling good. This man knows his 1989 concert How much series. money have I made so far? You've now secured $4,000 for the Vegan Ethan Foundation. Uh, yeah, it's going to go to veganism around the world. I'm donating it to Lettuce Farms. <laughs> Your next question for 8,000 smackaroos. What is the more common name for the body part known as the tympanic membrane? A, Adam's apple. B, shoulder blade. C, Eyelid, D, eardrum. Hmm. Um, it's eardrum. You are correct. 
you. All right, you ready to keep going? I am. For the $16,000, which of these bodies of water does not border South America where Metallica, you, will be touring in a few short months? A, the Gulf of Mexico, B, the Atlantic Ocean, C, the Caribbean Sea, D, the Pacific Ocean. The answer is the Pacific Ocean. Incorrect. Which one is it? It's Gulf of Mexico. Even though you were wrong, we're going to keep going for fun. How okay, about sounds good. The $32,000 question. What actress appeared in the 1993 Tom Petty music video, Mary Jane's Last Dance? A, Julia Roberts. B, Demi Moore. C, Michelle Pfeiffer. D, Kim Basinger. Uh, it would be Kim Basinger. That's correct. Let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Rockstar Edition, see? I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little. Yellow. Different. Welcome back to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Feeling good, Regis. You know what, kid? I want to be a millionaire. You had a show with Kathy Lee for so long, I'm sure you're a millionaire. Ah, bad investments. Ah, I get it. Okay. I invested too much. I invested too much in too little ideas. Ah, okay, I get it. For the $64,000 question, here we are. In which of the following places would you most likely find a piece of apparatus called a pipette? A, an orchestra. B... A laboratory, C, a television studio, D, a printing house. Now, you do have a lifeline available to you. I feel like I need to use a lifeline right now. And who would you like to call with your lifeline? Uh, I'm going to call one of my best friends and uh, producers, Mr. Paul Moak. Paul Moak, let's get him on the phone, C. Yo. Paul, we have called you on a segment of the show. We are playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Ethan has chosen you as his lifeline. <laughs> Paul, I need, right. I, I, I need your help, man. Okay. All right, well, we got here a young hotshot from Nashville on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Here's your question, Paul. In which of the following places would you most likely find a piece of apparatus called a pipette? A, an orchestra, B, a laboratory, C, a television studio, D, a printing house. Oh, man. Come on, Paul. I, I need to win this money. It's for my vegan charity. <laughs> I mean, since I have no clue at all, Come on. I think I'm going to have to go with the music answer and say A. Ah, uh, you let him down, Paul. It's incorrect. It's B, a laboratory. Dang it, oh, Paul! I, I was I was gonna say the uh, orchestra as well. Well, when you guys called, I was laying underneath a piano trying <laughs> to fix something. I always picture you laying under a piano. <laughs> I love everyone. All okay. right. <laughs> well, you used your lifeline, and uh, he didn't come through for you. But uh, we're gonna move along anyway because it's for the vegan kids. That's for the vegan kids. For the hundred twenty-five thousand dollars question, and this is the question that Lars got wrong. Okay, this is what ended it all for him. I've missed, I've missed two so yeah, far. Right. 
What actress, one woman stage show and movie are titled Without You I'm Nothing, Honey? A. Lily Tomlin B. Julia Sweeney C. Sandra Bernhardt D. Ellen DeGeneres What's it called again? It's called Without You I'm Nothing and then I've added Honey Okay Actually, I'm gonna add a Honey, please Honey, please Um Can I call Paul again? (laughs) Um Read me the answers one more time A. Lily Tomlin B. Julia Sweeney C. Sandra Bernhardt D. Ellen DeGeneres I'm gonna go with A That's what Lars guessed and he was incorrect Was it Julia Sweeney? No, the answer is Sandra Bernhardt. Ah, I, see, I thought that was kind of the, the wrench thrown in there. Well, we'd like to thank our sponsors, The Way You Crap Toilet and Nuprin, and you've just played Who Wants to Be a Fucking Millionaire? <laughs> All right, well, there we go. Well, now we're done with that bit. Good job, Ethan. <laughs> that was fun. That was a fun thing to do and a neat shirt to possibly have in the future. <laughs> and, and and to just get Paul on the phone for nice a second. Nice to hear from Paul for a second. Yeah, just, I, you know, let's all just sit back and relax and envision him always laying under a piano. <laughs> and speaking of that, let's go ahead and hear the Paul jingle right here, too. Yeah. All right, moving back through the year, so we're through February 11th. We're well on our way. February, the rest of it's going to go pretty quick. February 12th, the 9th District U.S. Court Court of Appeals, sorry, the 9th District U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals decides that Napster will have to block users who exchange copyrighted songs without permission, but could continue operating until a lower court redrafted a previous injunction against the company. I'm basically a lawyer now. You are, yeah. So that was some of the first good news where you know the Metallica was sort of winning the battle. Which, by the way, Kirk is on this new Dean Del Rey podcast. Yeah, saying that he feels like they had no impact on the whole issue. I disagree. I disagree with Kirk about that. And also, it, I hate that they just pulled that out of that thing. And that's like the, the clickbait. I know it's really frustrating. Don't, the way that those articles are showing up make it sound like the entire podcast was just about that. I really doubt Lars would agree with that. I think so. I think I don't know. Kirk might be uh, smoking a little uh, devil's lettuce. A little ganja? A little ganja. <laughs> Have you been injured in an accident? Do you need an attorney? Call Clint Wells, attorney at law. Thank you, Joe. I don't want to micro machines. All right. Remember micro machines? Of course I do. I love those things. Now, I couldn't find exact dates for this, but here are some other things that happened in February of 2001. Lars jammed with Jerry Cantrell. I couldn't find the gig. Cool. James jammed with Corrosion of Conformity. Couldn't find the gig. Cool. I looked really hard for all this. And then the McFarlane Toys, as I mentioned at the top of the show, released the Justice Era action figures. Which, which are I awesome. Have right up here. Have you those. have yours as well. I, my, I still mind, I have mine boxed. Yeah, what a shame. I'm getting to that point now. Well, now all, all my toys are in boxes in storage. They're in boxes that they came in, in boxes. Yeah, they're well protected. The only, I'll pull what those you, ones What are you out. protecting them from? You only live once. Yellow, man. Yes. The only ones I... I, I I'm hesitant to take out. I have the Spinal Tap action figures that are like ten inches tall. I need to get those out. My dad got me for this for me like almost. I don't know when it was. It was almost twenty years Just ago. Just think about the cosmos. Think about how 
space is infinite, mm-hmm. and your time here is so short, the pale blue dot, as it were. And you bought these things to be happy. Like, I look at these every day, and yeah. they make me happy. Yeah. You bought these things, or they were gifts, and now they're in plastic boxes, in brown cardboard boxes. In my storage room upstairs. Only reason they're up there is because I repurposed that entire wall where my toys were to hang a bunch of guitars. Yeah. I got to find space for them. You've been to HQ1 a few times. Yes. You know that it's qu- quite cluttery in I'm there. just here to say, figure it out, because they're going to bring you joy. Get you, them out of the... You can you can unbox them in ways where you can preserve the box and you can put them back in. Right, yeah. Well, you know, you inspired me when you unboxed my Freddy Krueger bobblehead. That's right. On uh, Pirate Satellite, your other yeah. podcast. Everyone go check out the Pirate Satellite with Ethan Luck. Where I unbox Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Signed by Robert England. So I'm consistent with my philosophy on unboxing. You are. Yes, you are. All right. February 21st, Metallica wins their sixth Grammy in the best rock instrumental performance for Call of Cthulhu from S&M. Awesome. Yay. Way to go, boys. Yay. Yay. March 5th, the Playboy interview is released, making it much clearer why Jason may have left Metallica. If you haven't heard that episode, we go into a lot of detail about that interview. Uh, a lot of good sauce in that in that uh, that interview. I agree. A lot of light shed on that situation. So go check that out if you haven't. Uh, April seventh, Lars joins. This is kind of an inexplicable event. Lars joins Godsmack on stage at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago after the. This is what the appearance was. He didn't play with them. After the fir- first encore song, Sully brought out a guy in a wheelchair who ended up being Lars. Lars then spit beer into Sully's mouth, hugged <laughs> Sully. And left the stage. So he was just at this Godsmack gig party. Just hanging, yeah. Yeah. He was probably hammered and was like, they, they, they Yo, had dude, fucking wheel me out in a wheelchair, dude. dude. It'd be fucking hilarious. Um, um, I'll spit beer in your mouth. I'll spit beer in your mouth. April 9th, Metallica wins the Artist Contribution Award at the ESPN Action Sports and Music Awards. Uh, I didn't really know what that was, so I had to look up this article. It's so weird awards for everything. Yeah. So this says Metallica Eminem. This is from. MTV.com. Wow. Metallica, Eminem, and the Deftones were among the winners when the cream of the extreme sports crop honored their favorite musicians at the first ESPN Action Sports and Music Awards on Saturday at the Universal Amphitheater. I'm guessing they didn't do this many many times afterwards. Yeah, I, I'm a, I wasn't even familiar with it. The event, which climaxed with a performance by heavy metal gods Black Sabbath, saw the best athletes in snowboarding, surfing, skateboarding, and other sports Salute the musical artists who inspire them and award their daredevil peers. I mean, it's cool. It's really cool. Sounds awesome. It's really cool. It's like super cool. Metallica frontman James Hetfield said the two rebel breeds honored at the ceremony have a lot in common. He says, I think there are parallels, as in we're going where we're not supposed to be, beyond the limits. I feel a lot of people out here ignore the rules of what should be, and we're all connected in that way. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. Though Hetfield joked that he thought he was there to accept the award for best female snowboarder, Metallica took home the Artist Contribution Award for raising the enjoyment of action sports. Hey. Well, I mean, I've listened to Metallica while skateboarding. Pretty, yeah. pretty action-packed. Among the night's other musical honorees were No Effects, Linkin Park, Moby, and newcomer Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Newcomer, holy shit. Who's touring with Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. All the winning artists were present except Moby and Eminem. So, that's pretty cool. Rob Zombie introduced Sabbath. Sabbath yeah. played... <laughs> That's pretty neat. That's pretty awesome. Uh, James, so here's the other thing that was interesting about this event, though. The event had a lot of press around it, and this is where we hear from Lars and James kind of for the first time in the press since Jason left. Yeah. And, uh, James says, obviously, before we play any shows, we're going to need a bass player, but we can still write and record together. We have a total freeform attitude right now, and it's a great place to be. The three of us are gaining strength and getting our shit together. Whoever comes into this is going to have to put up with a lot. 
but we're enjoying each other's company and retouching on things we haven't connected on in a long time. It's a fun and healthy time for us. Hmm. Is it? Was it? Mm-hmm. Lars adds, we want to take our time finding the right person to fill Jason's spot. So uh, it's just ominous knowing that a few short months after that, James would be checking into rehab. Yeah. I mean, maybe there was this, you know, once the shock wore off of Jason Lee, remember, remember there was this excitement of like, okay, like it's going to be a new era, blah, blah, blah. And of course, yeah, like you said, he's going to go to rehab here in a short few few months. But I'm sure there was a point where it was like, okay, like Jason's not coming back. This is This is happening. So let's move forward. So April 23, and then moving forward is when they, they start their writing and recording sessions with Bob Rock, producing and playing bass at the Presidio. Now, the Presidio is like this old military like base. Army that barracks. They moved all yeah. their shit into, and you just, it's documented in some kind of monster. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, the famous delete that scene. <laughs> is that There's a lot there? of songs in the, the film that you can see that were conceptualized there. We're going to do a whole episode on that. Yeah. Uh, Lars tells Metallica.com, we've got a shitload of sick, ugly, new, fucked up jams, and it's really cool to get back to being a band again. Hmm. Some new, sick, ugly, and new fucked up jams. <laughs> well, he was correct about that. It's true. <laughs> He's not kidding. Um, yeah, it almost seems crazy that that, that this Presidio, uh, that, that time for St. Anger, because like, n- not a ton of that was used on the record. I mean, I guess the incarnations of a few songs happen there, but a lot of that stuff is not great. Yeah. Uh, May 6th, Lars's second son, Lane, is born. I wonder <clears> if that <throat> was any uh, any homage to Mr. Lane Staley. Well, when did Lane was still alive at this point, I believe. Mm. Didn't Lane Staley die in 04? Oh, wait, yeah, you may be right. He was 04. It still could have been. Who knows? He's yeah, friends, with those, friends with those guys. That's true. The week of May 10th, a bunch of shit happened. Lars is so moved by a Sigur gig that he writes them a letter saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're in the studio now struggling to make some sort of album. I'm going back after this show completely inspired. I wow. thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. I, again, another example of you know Lars' his deep love for music and how it extends beyond the metal world. And, and if, you, if you haven't gone down with Sigur I mean... Absolutely check out Sigaros. They're ma- mainly an instrumental, well, not instrumental, but they're an Icelandic sort of ambient band. Yeah, they sing in Icelandic for the most part. Well, one or, one or a couple of their records, they sing in a made-up language. Yeah. They don't even sing in Icelandic. Yeah. So There's some really cool live performances they've done. Um, they're just It's just a really cool, very, like Clint said, very ambient, definitely like chill-out music. I don't, I mean, who knows, maybe you'd want to work out to it, but that's kind of like, let's just chill out and have a drink. and yeah, Like doing bicep curls, but with a peanut. It <laughs> like listening to the gonna audio up, heroin. Going to upgrade to almonds next week. Kirk jams on until it sleeps at Sammy Hagar's Cabo Wabo Cantina Club in Mexico. I tried to find all this shit. I could not find it. All this stuff was kind of happening right when the internet was becoming more ubiquitous. Like everything that yeah. happened wasn't immediately on the internet, which well, I kind of find refreshing. Yeah, oh, absolutely refreshing. But also too, you know, Metallica at this point is a very well documented band. But when they're kind of all on their own, they're not. Yeah. Lars also, this week in May 10th, 2001, takes over the microphone for a four-hour DJ set of new wave of British heavy metal classics at KSJO in San Francisco. That's I'd cool. Love to hear that. That would be awesome. Because you know it's him talking about it and getting nerdy yeah. and giving a bunch of details about the bands and shit. Absolutely. He probably slept on a lot of their couches. July 12th, both Napster and Metallica announced the settlement of their lawsuit. Pleases us to announce it. No more shall we live our lives as moles. In the download era. We covered all that extensively. No need to elaborate. Kind of. <laughs> July 19th, okay, the fateful day. St. Anger recording sessions are halted as James Hetfield enters rehab to quote-unquote undergo treatment for alcoholism. 
and other addictions, the press release went on to say, we postponed all current events, including recording sessions for our new album. This was a scary time. Very scary, yeah. I was 17 at the time and didn't really understand a lot of those dynamics. Mm-hmm. So all I thought was like the one-two punch of Jason leaving, James going to rehab. Yeah. I just thought, oh no. I thought the band was going to be done at that point. Because I was back online with the band full force. And so I was keeping up with news that would come out. And uh, <clears throat> I was on this point, I was three years into touring. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a scary time. I mean, I was like, shoot, is my favorite band going to be done? I was like, shoes are my favorite band going to be done. Shoes, man. I was asking my shoes. I talked to them a lot. <laughs> I cry into a shoe a lot. Just to sort of muffle, helpful. muffle the sobs. Yeah. Well, it also absorbs the tears, too. <laughs> uh, I found this interesting. I don't remember this. I don't remember seeing this at the time. I found this in my research. But so obvious rumors are spreading about what the other addictions right. thing could be. And uh, I guess I always assumed it was like sex-related yeah, sex maybe or... addict stuff. But I guess at the time, a lot of people thought it might be dr- like harder drugs. Mm-hmm. So an unlikely hero comes out to discredit that, Jason Newstead. Mm-hmm. He says, one thing really needs to be cleared up. The other addictions have nothing to do with substances. As long as I've known James, he's never touched anything other than alcohol. Anyone who thinks that it has to do with drugs is completely wrong. Wow, that's cool. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, could it have, could have been some kind of sex addiction. Who knows? Some pretty graphic stuff in Slash's book about Mr. Jimmy James at Field. Yeah. I don't want to repeat it here. Yeah, that's fine. But you know what I'm talking about? I haven't read Sasha's book. Oh. But I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. Uh, so I, the note that I have from Joel McIver's book, he says four tracks recorded at the Presidio wound up on the final album. I'm not really sure what those are other than Frantic. I was trying to f- find that info too. But here are the unreleased songs. And we'll do a whole episode on this where we listen to these. Echo Chamber, which I actually think is actually pretty badass. Shadows of the Cross, which has a little bit of All Nightmare Long in mm-hmm. it. More than this, surfing the zeitgeist, which that sounds like a Guns N' Roses B side. <laughs> the Boogeyman song, Ain't Asked No More, Temptation, which is the delete that song. Right. Unbridled and Dead Kennedy rolls. So if you're into that, sh- if St. Anger's your jam and like you're really into that stuff, that's kind of like a forgotten album, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and the quality of the stuff online, it, a lot of it is taken just from the movie. It's pretty rough. Yeah, it's, there's no official recordings right. out there that they've released. I don't think they ever will. No. Um, well, you know when they probably will do that? They'll probably dust all that off for a St. Anger box set. The 30th anniversary box set of St. Anger, where we'll all be dead? I don't know if they're going to keep doing 30th anniversaries. Maybe they will. I could see them going... Because they could roll those out pretty quicker than waiting until... Waiting until... Uh, 30 years? Waiting until 2031. Right. Because um, the Black Album's next, and they're going to probably do Load and Reload together. Yeah. Box Load. Box load. And then what? Then there's like Garage Days as our leftovers from that? I mean, like, what could they even do? I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like once like kind of Death Magnetic... Well, I mean, any leftovers from Death Magnetic were on Beyond Magnetic, as far as we know. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe... maybe I, did, I don't know. I guess they would do all the records. Why not? I mean, well, but... Hard Ride wouldn't make sense because it just came out. It wouldn't. It doesn't make sense if there's nothing to say. If there's no more material, right? This R- these riff, old box riff tapes and demos right. and um, you know books and anecdotes and lyric sheets mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I I can't see them waiting another ten years or eleven years to do Saint Anger. Maybe right. they will though. Maybe they are kind of staggering out the next couple every two years. And there you go. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Black Album's next. Though. I guess we will find out. Um, July 29th, James releases a statement from rehab. So this is about 10 days after going in. Yeah. 
He says, it took a lot for me to admit to my problems, and it's a great feeling to have the support and comfort from all the friends I've made out there. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Now, this is some interesting Mustaine shit, okay? Okay. So Dave Mustaine gets on Metallica.com, because I guess there was like a forum type thing back then. Right. And he's writing on there. He writes, my heartfelt best wishes go out to James. I know what he's feeling right now, and I know what people are saying. They said it about me, too, because he went to rehab also several times. He added that one of his dearest wishes was to perform a show or make an album with Dave Ellison, Lars, and James, which is starting to get a little weird. Mm -hmm. Then he adds, I'm sure that people come here that aren't even Metallica fans just to post shit about them, not me. I'm a fan. Well, that's nice. Okay. But it's kind of weird. It's a little weird. He would later say in the press, Lars is one of the neatest little dudes I've ever met. (laughs) I'm like, maybe leave out the little dude. Yeah. Uh, he's a very, very intelligent man, and James is one of the greatest rhythm guitar players on the planet. I know that if he and I got together again, people would be so blown away, they'd probably have to kill themselves. <laughs> Such a weird thing to say. He just can't land it. Like, I've got friends who just can't land shit. Yeah. Like, they really want to be cool, or right. like really want to be funny, and really what it is, they really want to be liked and accepted sure. and loved, and they just can't. They're always kind of making bids and just can't right. land it. So it'll like start out fine where they're like, "Yeah, oh, Lars is a very intelligent man." You're like, "Oh, that's nice. He's a neat little dude." Okay, that's okay, not so nice. Bad, yeah, or it's like even the first thing he said was like, "His you know his heartfelt best wishes go out to James," and then you know, but then after that it was like, my, "One of my wishes is to perform or uh, a show or make an album with Ellison, Lars, and James." I know. Like, wait, like wh- why, why would they ever want to do that? Or like, hey, that's not even the subject at hand. The subject is right. James in rehab. <laughs> like, but then he's like. James is a really great rhythm guitar player. Okay, cool. That's nice. Yeah. I just know that if we got together, people would be so blown away, they'd probably kill themselves. <laughs> and end their lives as moles. <laughs> they'd probably end their lives as moles. <laughs> but I'm like, God damn, what a weird thing to say. It's just weird. That's all it is. Um, in September, a Metallica fan convention took place in San Francisco. I could not find any information about this. <laughs> Lars and Kirk jammed with the tribute band Creeping Death. They played, and they played Die, Die, My Darling, No Remorse, Helpless, Just the Song, and Justice for All, Lightning, and Am I Evil. Cool. Really cool. It's like so cool. Like really cool. I would love to go to a Metallica convention. It'd be like so much fun. Well, it'd be really fun to go to one now because we would, you know, it'd be fun to like get all the other podcasts together and yeah. be the podcast nerds at that. Podcast party. Just have like a big party. Like, like a pod- podcast orgy or something. You guys heard of podcasts? You can get on your phone. Yeah, just look up Metallica. You'll find us. My God, you remember when we were, when we were, did that live show in D- Detroit? And yeah, we I, were telling people, "No, there's a podcast app on your phone. No, there isn't." It's like I don't think I would ever do that again. That was like early days. I was walking around the entire bar giving everyone koozies. Remember that? Yes. I just took the whole box of merch. Hey, you guys like podcasts? Check this out. All Metallica new episode every Monday. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do that again. I wouldn't. I would do a a, a, a podcast episode in front of an audience for sure if it was organized and we did you know something yeah. like what you're gonna do in south by southwest yeah I, I don't think i would do it i don't want to do the one in south by i southwest. wouldn't hang out in a bar again and just randomly be doing a podcast i'm basically being forced by bob schneider to do it i told him i don't want to do it yeah i just don't think those are ever good anytime any podcast i like i legitimately like them if, if i see it's a live podcast i do not listen to it you are basically walking into the nam show of podcasts he thinks it's going to be good. We'll see. By the way, yeah. my podcast with Bob is called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Just look up Clint Wells. We got a bunch of fun shit and a Patreon going on over there. All right. Um, October 16th. My birthday. Really? Yes. Man. Well, this is very befitting of you. This is right up your alley. All right. NASCAR, full yes. throttle, rocking on the fast track with Coca-Cola. 
compilations released featuring the demo for Fuel called Fuel for Fire. Fuel for Fire. We're going to listen to that together right now. Have, have you heard this? <laughs> yeah, I have a while ago. Who comes with the titles? Got the name for the compilation, guys. Rocking on the fast track. I know, track. totally. Imagine the, board, the, 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 the meeting. The like yeah. concept meeting for that, right. like guys, we somehow got the licensing because a lot of big other artists are on this. Creed, Sammy Hagar, Motley <laughs> corrected the true, Motley <laughs> crap, Pod, Matchbox Twenty, Vertical Horizon, The Cult, Sugar Ray, Collective Soul. One of the only bands that I will vitriolically talk about disliking is Motley Crue. I do not like Motley Crue. Whenever I hear the song come on the radio, especially songs like Girls, 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 I'm like, how is this still being played on the radio? There's like. Straight up they're aw- so, awful cat calling at the end of the song. They're so shitty. They're such a shitty band. They're they got so live big. is so bad too. Okay. Um so in the in the board meeting or the concept meeting, they get the licensing. Yeah. They're like, what are we gonna call it? Bruce, you have any ideas? Uh Torf? Anything? Torben? And someone said, Why don't we call it NASCAR NASCAR full throttle? And then another guy maybe piped up and did the alley oop tag. What about team. this? Rocking on the fast track. That's dynamite, kid. I love it. Yeah, kid, you're gonna go somewhere. See? You yeah, see? you're gonna be a big star. See? Yeah, I knew we hired you for a reason. You see? Yeah, bright lights in your future. See? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna listen to Fuel for Fire right now. Fuel for Fire right now. Uh, we have all the demos from. Someone sent this to us really early in the podcast. We have all the demos from Load and Reload. Right. And here's Fuel for Fire. Let's check it out together. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that which I desire. So these would have been recorded at the dungeon, which was Lars's garage. And this is just Lars and James. Okay, yeah. This is James on bass. Turn on Dynamo. Turn on Dynamo. It's always weird to hear these demos with different melodies and words. Well, he famously does lyrics last, so yeah. a lot of the load and reload demos are sound pretty similar. Yeah, but they're filled with gibberish lyrics. Yeah, draw a lock at the speed ahead. Yeah, rocking on the fast track. Jazz. Musically, it's pretty faithful. Chorus is the same. Fuel is such an awesome song. I love Fuel. It's a great rock song. Yeah, absolutely. Fight the need for speed. Burning lean and mean. Keeping it tight and right. Come on, a what from hell? A heart from hell? Okay. I wonder what's going to happen for the solo. Maybe Kirk stopped by and laid one down. I don't think so. Mm. 
Yeah, that's still there. All right, the hook's there. Yeah. That is Kirk. Really great solo. Yeah. Yeah, musically, it's all there, man. I wonder if this for, like, if they were going to put this on a compilation album, if they just took a rough mix of the actual recording with early lyrics. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm surprised they'd even want to put this out. It sounds it sounds fine, but just the lyrics, some of the lyrics are pretty bad. Pretty rough. Hmm. Ooh, a little harmony there. <laughs> a comment on Ooh. YouTube says, "Give me burger, give me fries." That's a dollar ninety-five. <laughs> Some poets on uh, Some YouTube. poets on YouTube. YouTube poet poetry. Well, that happened. All right, we're moving moving right along. We're winding it down. November sixth, the classic albums Metallica is released in the U.S. on DVD, which would be the last official production with Jason as a member of Metallica. We're going to do a whole episode on that. We'll watch it together. I, I love those classic album series. They're really fun. Oh, man. They're so good, dude. The Nir- Nirvana Nevermind one is great. That one's great. Phil Collins has a great one. U2, the Josh Tree is great. Mm. The Steely Dan, Asia. There's a great one on Paul Simon, Graceland. Yeah. Uh, Maiden. They, bring, they did Number of the Beast, I think. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't bring that show back. Is it gone? Did it go away? I, mean, I haven't seen it. I mean, maybe I haven't looked hard enough. But bring it back. back. Bring it back. December 3rd, and this is sort of the last thing, is Metallica announces James Hetfield has exited rehab. The official statement reads, Yes, folks, we have word from James, and the news is all good. His recovery has gone exceedingly well. He's back out about and feeling rather good about life. Rather good. It's a strange statement. I'm feeling rather good about life. He's feeling rather good. Well, now that his life as a mole has ended... Yes, he's out and about and feeling rather good about rather, life. Rather good. Uh, James did release um, a, a really touching letter that I wanted to read. Do you remember seeing this? Oh, yeah. It's in all of his kind of fucked up scribble scrabble. I like his scribble. Let me try to zoom in on this so I can read it to the good people. How do I zoom? How do I zoom without, without you? you? I want to know. James here, live and getting well. Wow, where do I start? And then he wrote here, and then he drew a line. So the dad humor is in full force. Yes. Recovery is the most difficult and challenging thing I've ever attempted, along with parenting. Also the most grounding and gratifying gift I've ever received, along with parenting. I have so much to say. I feel I've been away a lifetime in a way I have. 
My rough road has become smoother reading the show of support from the friends I've met through Metallica. I've not seen nor felt such potent, real heart connecting words put together as these. Sorry, this is really hard to read in this scrabble. <laughs> he says, thank you. They move me deeply. My music and lyrics have always been a therapy for me. Without this God-given gift, I don't know what where I'd be. And now I truly feel that impact and compassion. Connection. Uh, it's made with others, struggle to struggle, pain to pain, human to human, not idol to fan or fan to idol. Clarity has put me in a humble and serene place to receive this connection in return and feel it helping heal me. Every breath I take becomes deeper and more confident of myself without my crutches. The lies I've filled my body and soul with aren't anymore, aren't needed anymore. They're not welcome. I choose to live, not just exist. I miss you all so much, and I'm awaiting the time this connection I feel to you will be in person. Love and respect. Holy shit, right below this is it's, Transcript? it's typed out. <laughs> God damn it. I love it. <laughs> I feel like I just strained. I just like I took years off my life reading that. Um, I do remember seeing that and, and feeling extremely relieved. A real similar wave of relief to hearing and seeing pictures of James at the Reclaimed Dress stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, okay, he made it through and he's okay. Yeah, and, what's next, you know? So that's kind of how, the, you know, for such a tough, shitty year, it goes out on a positive. Although, yeah, very positive. Although the, the parallels to now are, are, pretty, um, are pretty serious. Like, we, I don't, the, the future was uncertain. You know, mm -hmm. we know from the documentary they'd get back in the Presidio. Right. They would eventually bail on the Presidio and resume record on St. Anger at their newly created HQ. Right, yeah. And then the rest is history, and we're going to cover the documentary and all that shit. But, you know, uh, an uncertain time. All we know is that he's back and he's healthy. Yeah, very much so. I think we're both super excited to not only see the, the footage and photos of James looking great, um, but excited to see you know what's 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 next. You know, I know we've got the show in March coming up. We're looking forward to and yeah. all you know all the hand stuff, and I'm sure they'll do a cool set list like last year. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for all the shows next year. Or the, God, I keep thinking it's still 2019. This year, all the festival shows they're going to do. I'm sure they'll schedule uh, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, do their South America stuff and. Yeah, it's tough with this this kind of band to look too far into the future because you know they're very private about you know certain things like recording and are they working on any new music things like that. And going um, to the restroom and yeah, sexual activity exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know what I'm talking they're about very private about some yeah, of that exactly. stuff. Exactly, and I respect that. I respect that, th that you respect that. Well, we're gonna be here for every step along the way, holding holding hands, mm -hmm. hugging giving each other digital metallic hugs. And Paul will be under the piano. Paul will still be under the piano fixing that one of those darn things that are under there. Yeah, the, the you know, it's the thing with jibber. We're like, what were you fixing under there? He's like, fixing? I, that's where I sleep. I sleep yeah. under a piano now. Yeah, use my dreads as a pillow. With the lilting sounds of the ivory keys tickling <laughs> away into the foggy evening. <laughs> that's my new poem. I love that. Well, here's the deal. Go leave the positive review on iTunes. Get on the Patreon train. There's a bunch of cool shit. I mean, if you sign up at the $10 level right now, you get Lunar Satan, mm -hmm. all the cover over Blackens, every song I wrote last year, I think, and you get monthly access links to all the songs I write every month. Yeah. Plus, you support the show. Plus, you can be on Metal Tales. Plus, access to all the bonus content yeah, and giveaways. Quite, quite a few things. I mean, I think you'll be rather pleased with it. I think it. you'll be rather pleased, please. Uh, and having said that, I know that we we need to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Yeah, we love too. you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the flip flop. Peace. Adios. <laughs> this new world 
and advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>